Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. Uh, this week I'm sitting down with David Booth. Uh, a lot of you out there might know him as Ghost Patrol. Um, yeah, how you going, David? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Ah, no worries. Always welcome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so you're originally from uh, Tasmania. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. What was life like growing up over there? Oh, I really like my childhood, I guess. Tasmania's yeah. a pretty beautiful place to grow up. I feel really lucky. Yeah. Though when I was growing up, it, I guess your perspective is so limited and you don't really know. It takes a while to appreciate, you know, the good parts about that. It felt pretty isolated and a long way away from everything else that was going on mm. at the time. But now, I don't know, that appreciation has only grown and it is a really beautiful part of the world. It is, mm. yeah. I've only been there once, but I absolutely loved it. It was just, I felt like um, even when you're in the cities, you're not really in the cities, you're more like in towns, and you know that there's, you know, there's not like a big metropolitan city like anywhere around you. Yeah, I guess not being around that stuff, you kind of yearn for what you don't have. Yeah. But looking back on it, it was like a form of an idyllic kind of childhood, really. Yeah. Like a lot of time in, in the wilderness and things like that. Yeah. Did you grow up in Hobart or anything? Or? Yeah, in Hobart. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not in a... Even though it's a city, it's such a different thing to say, like Melbourne or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And what made you decide to move to Melbourne? Um, I'd finished my degree in, in Hobart. I'd stayed there and um, my family had already left. They were already, already living in Melbourne. Mm. But by then, I moved to Sydney for a little bit and then lived in Manchester for a little bit in the UK and was travelling around a fair bit and you know after a few years of moving around and stuff like that I decided to come back to Melbourne because my family was already here but I'd already started a lot of connections with um, lots of street artists and illustrators and stuff like that in Melbourne it was just it just made sense I didn't really even see it as a big choice yeah it was just the place to be where your friends are and the people that inspire you yeah and were you, um, like, were you into art growing up in Tassie, or yeah, I guess going to in, in your teenage years, or yeah, always. I've always drawn since I was a little kid, but I guess most people do. Yeah. But when I think of it as art, I didn't really know what art was. Like, I didn't. I wasn't around. My house wasn't full of paintings, or my parents didn't take me to galleries, or I didn't really have a full knowledge of what art was. Even though I was always making stuff. You know, weird, weird little sculptures or things like that. I wouldn't have really thought of it like that. It's just all playing, yeah. like making little zines and stuff like that. I didn't know the language for that because, you know, I grew up in the eighties and very pre-internet. You're kind of just doing and making things all the time, making skateboard ramps and repainting skateboards and making guns out of wood and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, those kind of just normal uh, teenage boy things, just making a lot of stuff all the time. But I wouldn't have thought of it as art, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, did you, um, like, you've painted a lot on, the st- like, doing, like, the street murals and stuff over here. Were you doing any of that stuff in Tasmania, or...? I guess I'd started to do a little bit of stenciling, like, in the early 2001, 2002, maybe. Mm. But, again, that was just, like, I'd already finished school by then. Yeah. And so there wasn't really that much use of the internet, so I'd st- there were only a few stickers around, a few people from the art school and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of stuff, but I didn't know anybody who did graffiti. So it started those parts, but really it was the connection I was making through online stuff. Yeah. Like Stencil Revolution was a really big forum. This is all pre-MySpace, pre-Facebook time. So Mm -hmm. those online communities were a major deal. Yeah. So even though I was down there, there was little things going on. You know, there was maybe like 
couple of dozen people yeah putting stuff on the street it was the times in melbourne and then i was traveling to europe a bit by then as well yeah um it was just nice to drop in you're already part of this instant community and it was it wasn't in the media and it wasn't the thing that everybody understands now yeah it's a totally different community yeah yeah so with the um like going to europe and everything like you mentioned you lived in manchester so did you go on a, a big trip like after uni and just say oh, i'm gonna go traveling and well i kind of paused my uni while i was still there and then took a semester out and that was the first time i went to europe and traveled around a little bit yeah but I mean, who doesn't like that stuff? It was pretty, um, so I rushed back to just finish off my degree and then go back again. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. So like now that you're, um, sorry, ugh. now that you're, uh, back in Melbourne and you, you know, you started your career and everything, do you, did you have a, uh, like a, an office job or anything like that? Or did you just go straight into like being, you know, making money as an artist or? Yeah, well, I didn't really train as an artist, so even that idea to, for a career in the arts, that yeah. was never really a decision. Yeah. It's just something you're always kind of making and playing, like you're, I grew up like skateboarding and stuff yeah. like that, so you're always doing that as well. You never think that, oh, I wish I could turn this into money mm. or make a career. But yeah, so I had an IT degree because doing coding and stuff like that, that was just really easy. It's just like, that's just boring work stuff, but as far as boring work goes, it's pretty easy. Yeah. So... I did work in an office. I worked in England in an office, and then when I came back to Melbourne, I worked for like a year in like a nine-to-five mm. IT office thing. Okay. It's weird, because when you said you went to uni, for some reason, I just assumed it was art school or something like that. Um, I think because you mentioned the art school as well, I just put... Yeah, well, definitely. I was really interested assumed, in that, and I, yeah. I looked at the art school to go there, mm. but I just didn't have the knowledge or perspective or, or skills mm. at all. And... I never really liked the way art was taught at school. I never was interested in that, even though every spare moment I had, I was drawing and making stuff and mm. thinking about that stuff, trying to soak up images pre-internet. Like, it was all the library. I'd spend a lot of time in the library just soaking up different images and, you know, getting, looking for inspiration and stuff like that, but not thinking of it like an artist does. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking for inspiration. It was just really... It's a more natural thing, I think. Yeah, I've been, I've been really curious about art school. Because, like, I've never been to art school. I studied graphic design, but that's, you know, it's technically the arts, I guess, but it's not art school. Mm. Um, and I just, I don't know, I'm really curious as to what you learn. I want to, I guess I'm going to have to sit down with someone who's been to art school one day and have a, have a good old chat to them. Yeah, well, it's different for everybody, right? I just, I don't really like structure. It was once I got out of a full-time job and definitely out of formal education mm. that I found the way that I did like to work and learn and so because I didn't go to art school and now I've been an artist for a while mm. I always feel like I'm catching up a little bit yeah okay I got to, oh, that one that is an important part of art history I have to learn about or I get to travel and go to a lot of galleries or I seek out mentors and I try to do a lot of learning and I do a bit of teaching and stuff as well but that's a process that's ongoing mm. and I feel because I didn't have the formal normal version oh maybe there's something I missed out on that I don't know about so, I don't know. Yeah. But I I still, I would struggle with that system because I'm not very good. That's not the way that I like to learn, I guess. Yeah. In a form structure. There was there was a while I, there I tried to um, self-educate because I was working for for about a year. I was working in London for uh, Christie's Auction House. Yeah. And I was laying out all their, um, their big uh, print catalogues and, 
and just doing um, design work for them. But, um, you know, they'd have a, a big book just to sell one painting and I'd be like by Warhol or, or, you know, Picasso or whatever. And so, you know, t- sometimes they'd be a bit slow, so I'd, I'd read pretty much the whole book as I'm laying it out. And, um, yeah, they, I don't know, I didn't really learn that much. Like, I was trying to work out why they were selling the painting for $7 million or, or whatever. And, um, yeah, they talked a lot around the subject and never really um, hit home as to why, like, you know, why this painting's so great or even why Picasso's so great. It was just lots of facts and figures and, um, and I don't know, just, just chit-chat, really. <laughs> Not really. There was, there was nothing that really hit home. And I was, I was, it was really frustrating because I was trying to educate myself and trying to answer those questions is what, what makes this artist, um, you know, such the legend that he is or, or why is this painting better than the rest or, you, you know what I mean? And it's, it yeah, was, of course. Yeah. I still only see that as one small part of the art world or yeah. what creativity is. So even yeah. though I respect some, not all parts of that, it's the same with all kind of fields or other things that feed into that. It's sometimes a language problem. Like we have words for that stuff. So mm. this is serious and some of it isn't. You're an artist, I'm not. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Those things, I can see why they exist. But when I like to draw... I like to block all that stuff out of my mind anyway. It's kind of, I don't know, maybe that doesn't articulate it very well. No, no, but you don't do it for anyone else apart from yourself. Or you, you shouldn't be anyway because, uh, you know, like I even find if I'm in my studio painting away for myself, I'm just painting whatever the hell I feel like painting. And um, as soon as someone um, contacts me with an art commission or something, I almost freeze up. It's like, shit, like all they want is me to paint in my style them and they've given me a vague idea of the style of what they want you know you're painting going oh I hope this is right I hope this is down the line of what they want and um you know I think oh, there's the freedom of just a... painting and then if it's like if you paint and just put it and put an exhibition like the paintings are there if people like and they can buy them you know but yeah 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 I think that performance thing if I sat down and thought this drawing is going to be an important drawing or it's going to be blown up really big or it's going to be mm. turned into a thousand t-shirts mm. that pressure is a lot so mm. My process comes more from being blocking all that stuff out and almost getting to another state and just letting your mind go and most of that comes out in like sketchbook work or I just do really big drawings where I'm not drawing specifically for the end result. Yeah. Even for commissions and things like that, I try to work from a yeah, blocking everything out kind of state. Yeah. First. Yeah. I I um yeah, it's it's definitely important to sort of block it all out and have some flow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that stuff, it's different for everybody. Some people don't keep a sketchbook or don't draw all the time and they step up and they just do one amazing thing every now and again or whatever it is. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, everybody I has their own way of getting into that creative flow, but I'm really yeah. privileged. I have heaps of time and now I need even more and more time um, to get into that state and stay there or yeah. to go down that path and find out where you're going with it. Yeah. But it's difficult when you have other pressures that kind of interfere with that as well. Mm. So you like you paint uh, murals as well as smaller work. Like what 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 do you prefer to paint? Really? I, yeah, I feel like these kind of questions come up a lot, but it's not one or the other. The mix yeah. is the best part of of all things, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, so I feel like they feed each other, mm. and I would never give up one over the other. Mm. There's just pros and cons to both, but. Getting to do both of them is kind of winning, I, f- I feel like. Yeah. 
there's something really rewarding about doing really large work, but I don't know, sometimes those larger works are done way quicker than the smaller watercolours or something like that. Yeah. I just like both. Yeah. Well, diversity is the spice of life, isn't it? I know so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or variety, sorry. Same thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> but with those, um, with those walls you've been painting on, on the raw brick, do you, do you find it hard to get it right first, first time? Because, you know, when, you've got, when you're not blacking out the background and you can't fix up areas... Uh, yeah, that's why the drawing is so such a, I don't know, the, the strong part of that. If, mm. I've, if I trust my drawing and the plan, then, then that's kind of easy. I think it's more when you have to articulate, how do you do these bigger scale works or how do you attack that? That's when my confidence goes, it's like, oh man, I don't know. If I, if I don't think about it, I just come to the wall and it's like, well, I know this is going to be eight metres tall and you just start to sketch it out. Mm. It's easy. But it's when people are going, how... Oh, how do you paint so close to it when it's really big and things like that? It looks like yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't think of it like that. But if you break it all down, then you start to kind of say, oh man, I don't know. Yeah, that is a chance for it to go wrong or something like that. I, yeah. But they're really just big drawings, and when you've done like tens of thousands of little drawings, that doesn't seem so so daunting, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Um, I know I haven't done many. Like I've only done one big mural, and it, that didn't come out too well. It was in, in Berlin with a lot of people. But, um, yeah, I look at it now and it's just like, oh. I was sort of told what to paint, if you know yeah. what I mean. And it was, and all, all I had was, like, um, a bit of scaffolding, so I couldn't really stand back and look at it. But um, whenever I stood back and looked at it, it was just like I could just fault it all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. You, yeah, well, um, I just feel really lucky to have yeah. been able to do lots of them over time and work with lots of different people. yeah. And um, sometimes that has been with like really great opportunities and a good budget or something like that to, to um, get the correct materials and have a really good safe lift and yeah work with people that I could guess I'd consider mentors that have helped me break down the process and make the process really enjoyable so you're not stressing you know okay we're going to be back here for 10 days straight just churning through this painting and this is the order to do it in mm-hmm. I don't know there's also like the nerdy kind of um, part of getting all the paint organised and lining it all up and all the, the process and the tools that go with it. I like all that side of a really big scale project as yeah. well. There's something really rewarding about that kind of stuff, yeah. all the tools that you use and stuff. That sounds interesting. I've, uh, I've got my first um, big wall coming up soon, actually, with an uh, with actual cherry picker and all that. Yeah, awesome. Still trying to um, work out how to approach it. But it's, uh, I think that's like, you know, working all that stuff through is... Um, is Half the half the challenge, isn't it? Once you get once everything's organised, you can actually just get on with it and get it done a lot easier than uh, yeah. fumbling through something with no plan. It always it kind of makes it seems really funny when you're up on one of those lifts in your high vis and the helmet and all that stuff. Like I've got like a hundred foot license or something, hmm. and I just what am I doing? Like this is just really weird. Like I never thought that's the kind of thing I'd be doing. It's just weird to be operating heavy machinery. And holding spray cans and things like that. <laughs> so just a really surreal kind of thing. Yeah. Does it make you feel like a man with the uh, high <laughs> no, no. heavy machinery? Almost the opposite, I guess. <laughs> Definitely at the time I went to go get my licence for it, I didn't really feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I've got, I'm, a, I'm a twin and my twin brother is really manly. And, um, and my, I'm, you know, I'm an artist and 
designer and all that. And every time he shakes my hands, he's like, oh, have you been moisturising, mate? And all this. <laughs> he's just, he's like a hardened man. He has been, he's been like that since we're like seven years old. You know, he'd be at, I'd be sitting inside drawing and he'd be at the back chopping wood or something like that, you know. It's crazy. But, um, but, uh, yeah, like, so you've, you've been known as Ghost Patrol for years and now you're, um, putting yourself out there under, as, under your own name, David Booth. Like, what made you decide to do that? Um, I guess I didn't really feel like I made a decision and then set a date and then it's like just make an announcement and change over or something. It's been a really subtle kind of process. Mm. And um, I guess there were just times where, you know, um, when my work was acquired by the National Gallery, they had my real name and they still, like, that's the way it's filed, that's the way it's presented. And there's been a few times where I've been in the newspaper, people can find out your real name anyway, so I guess there was a time where you're protecting as much as you can your real name because you don't really, you're hiding behind this other name and... It does work. Like, I like the times where people, because of using that name, would assume I'm many people or assume I'm female or something else. And I like that, um, I don't know, weirdness or whatever it is. Mystery, maybe, I don't know. So, I don't know. They just got to a point where that seemed a bit silly or, um, I don't know. It's a name I was using, like, more than 10 years ago. So, if I had a thought when I was choosing it, that I'd have to stand behind it or um, explain it on a podcast to you, um, you know, mm. 13, 14 years later, I probably might have, would have chosen a different name maybe. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't really do any illegal street art, you know, which is why I was using that name 10 years ago. I'm happy just to use a real name and just be a real person that the kind of secret is over. Once you've been on TV and things like that, there's, there's no mystery yeah. anymore and just... Uh, normal person with a normal name yeah because I'm having I'm going through the same problem because I've you know done a lot of graffiti throughout my life and I've I know I've always been proud that I'm an artist and proud that I'm creative and I do art and you know speak to people and they're like oh so what do you do for a living and I'd like to be able to hold my head up so high and say I'm an artist but the problem is I was going under my graffiti name and doing and still painting on the streets and doing stuff and I um and only recently it's only like in December I've um I decided to sort of start just switch things up and just bring out a, a completely new style under my own name and and that's that and I've had a, a, I feel really happy to have finally done it because it's an idea I've been been toying with it for probably five years now and um and I started to and I had a, had some exhibitions overseas and everything under my own name and Everyone was just like, never heard of you, don't know. You know <laughs> and it's just like, shit, I, it, it was the default to go back to what I was known for. Yeah. And then I thought, well, I don't want to be like, you know, 45, 50 years old, like like going under some some other name. And also, like, when people talk to me, they're like, oh, so show me some of your artwork and all that. And, like, all you got to show is, like, um, you know, sort of street work and, and stuff. Like, I wanted, wanted more of from that for my life so I found it really interesting to see that you you're so you're far so far into your career and decided to make the switch as well and just uh yeah wanted to speak to you about uh about all that you know because I was curious yeah. why you are uh, why you were your reasons for doing it and I think the street like not doing street work is uh you know a big one for for changing as well because you know as you said you've got nothing to hide behind 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just it's hard to think about. But in some ways, yeah, I've just used, I still kind of use both. They're both kind of out there. For some mm. people, it will always be this name. And mm. for other people, I don't know, they prefer to know a real name. It's a bit more legitimate or something. Yeah. And some of the where my work exists is a field that's a bit more serious or I don't know. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, I'm just... Like, they're just names. Yeah. And that's a kind of human problem. I'm, I like the drawing part. Yeah. So I kind of just have done this thing that has put that problem to the side and kind of half solved it yeah. and half left it unsolved, changed my email addresses and mm. a new website URL and other things. But mm. that old name is still there. It's still mm. something that works really well because it's a unique name. It's easy to Google and it's worked really well for me. That's part of my reputation is under that name. But Yeah. I don't know, I just try to focus on making good work and that will lead forward and no matter what name is attached to it. I really, unlike you, maybe I only really have one style, there's only one thing, mm. so mm. I don't really like to even put my name all over the stuff that I put out there because I, I want to make a, a style that is recognisable for what it is mm. and the line work, that is the signature, not the name. That mm. stuff's just not that important. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So I've, I've, I've split mine up. I've gone... That, that, and that belongs over to that name, and that, that, and that belongs to that yeah, name. Yeah, I see but another appeal of having, like, a secret identity, yeah. and that's a part of the appeal yeah. of getting into street art to begin with, is having yeah. the little super kind of hero pseudonym kind of thing of yeah. at night time you're this, but during the day no one knows who you are. Yeah. I think that there's an appeal to that as well. I can see both sides. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I'm older now, and I don't really give a shit about any of that stuff. Yeah. I just, yeah, whatever... Yeah. works and that's my real name it's weirder when people call me a name that isn't my name yeah yeah oh we all hate that you know oh it's just awkward <laughs> and weird and whatever yeah so do you um like do you consider yourself a street artist well no because I don't no. do street art but like if people say oh um like if people wanted to do a street art exhibition and they wanted you to be part of it would Things well, like that. I feel that like is. I've already been... When I was doing street art, I yeah. was part of the things that were grouping people at that time. Some books, some exhibitions, some collections mm. and whatever. Mm. But no, I don't do that stuff anymore, so it would be weirder for me to be mm. under that because it's not the same thing when you say street art now. It's not the same as maybe the things that I consider street art. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I've just... Well, I've spent so much time in that world. Your focus kind of changes over time and I'm not really interested in that. It is what it is mm. and I've had some really great experiences and a lot of learning from that time mm. but now I just don't I don't care at all about it I'm yeah uh, I'm focusing on other kind of ways of making art and expressing things through art that at the time that kind of movement felt really open and revolutionary and exciting but n not anymore there's some some other things that mm. uh, are doing that for me now and that makes it I don't know, that seems pretty normal right yeah what about mural, your murals and stuff? Do they, do, I don't know, do people consider them street art murals or are they just... Well, I guess anybody could call anything street art. It's funny the things yeah. you see yeah. listed or in that thing. But to oh, me, I don't days, really even want to get into a conversation about it. But oh, that's right. I consider I that street art illegal and anything else that's legal, not street art. I mean, it yeah. might be art on the street, but that's not what the word means. It's a... Yeah. Oh, I don't really... Yeah, I know, really, no, no, I understand. But my murals, curious. I just consider them big paintings. When someone says, hey, I've got a canvas that is mm. um, 30 metres by 10 metres, well, yes, I would love to come and paint that giant wall. Mm. It's mm. just a giant big painting. Yeah. But it's not part of... It's not the same as someone going out at three in the morning with um, the only paint, two cans of paint they can afford 
and risking, I don't know, some danger or whatever yeah. to create a piece of art. Why is that the same as getting paid and having a scissor lift and yeah. 400 cans of paint yeah. to paint a big mural? Now I feel like I'm getting into it. No, 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 no. Right, we could, uh, we could um, go into this and yeah, uh, but go I, down the, the rabbit hole. The murals are just so yeah. fun to paint yeah. and I often paint them with other people and sometimes yeah. they are still like in the... You know, in Europe or whatever, so many great abandoned places. I just mm. like to go and paint nice things, and I paint yeah. with different people, and they um, they're really relaxing, fun things, and they still have an element of that thing that I liked about you know yeah. coming up through street art times. But yeah. and it's just another fun way. Yeah. It's so physical as well, like painting with your whole body and yeah. spray cans and stuff are really good. But I really like painting big things with. Mm. Um, brushes i don't think i would ever give that up it's i don't know do, do you think you could give it up it's just no, so no kind of rewarding but it's again it does feed back into the other work that i do mm. and it's just all big drawings really yeah like I, I i agree like i find that painting something six foot or seven foot tall or whatever like with your whole body you know starting on tiptoes at full reach and yeah. doing lines that go all the way to the ground like that flow you get from your body from doing that you you I know. I find it hard to replicate that on a small piece of paper or a canvas or something. Like, yeah. Even watching some people paint in that way, I've been really lucky to watch so many people in Melbourne, mm. mostly dudes doing graffiti, I guess, mm. but doing that and being mesmerised by it and kind of, you know, learning a lot from it. But even when you watch footage of people like Keith Herring painting with a brush on that scale, mm. like, it's just, oh man, I want to do that. It looks so, so fun and rewarding and... I don't, I don't know, it's just bigger mark making. Yeah. I think as a kid, that's just what you want to do. You just want to do things a bit bigger and stuff. Yeah. Especially drawings. Yeah. So um, do you, do you remember the first time you uh, you ever made any money off your artwork? Mm. Uh, I guess not, not really. I don't think I have a firm memory of that. But uh, I guess when I was still living in Tasmania, I was making connections with people via this big stencil community really online and there was a lot of trading mm. but there was also people you know putting up stuff and people were trying to buy it as well and this is kind of just before PayPal came in so it was really hard mm. so it was kind of there were people in Sweden and stuff trying to buy these t-shirts I'd made so we kind of end up having to I'd look up a record store near their house and say okay send me those records and I'll send you this t-shirt or whatever it is so yeah. there's a lot of that trading going on and maybe there's a little bit as PayPal kind of started in the early 2000s and that was you know, it's just weird to think. I mean, that's where that stuff starts. It's like $20 for this and then $50 and then $100, you know. Mm. I don't know. I don't really have a firm memory of that because I'd already been doing freelance, like through some of the coding stuff I was doing as a student. Mm. I'd already freelanced in that way. So getting, you know, doing a bit of work in the, in the evening and then charging someone for it and getting paid good bit of bonus money on the side kind of thing, that already existed for me. But the art stuff it was just more a way to think man that's so fucking cool someone in Sweden's wearing my t-shirt you know or I'm trading you know books with someone or something yeah I don't know the trading part was just a, a good part of that to begin with I think yeah and so like nowadays you you know your career's doing well and you're, you're, you're living off your artwork you know jealous <laughs> um, you know but you, you're doing really well with your artwork and you, you're travelling and you uh you're going places with it and was there was there one point that really propelled you was there one like art sale or or exhibition or or trip you took that, that just that was a game changer for you yeah I guess it's hard to to look back and think of one single event 
because everything just kind of blurs into the other and there's so many things that happen but definitely something that made me take maybe being an artist more seriously was getting picked up by a gallery to be represented by a gallery it's just like a major turning point of that idea of not knowing if there are more emails coming in or I don't know what are you kind of doing with your art career or where do you want to go well, when I was rep- uh, got picked up by Hugo and Michelle Gallery, they was they were just starting out, and I was in a small group of artists. But um, just the idea that someone was going to look after my next ten exhibitions and work with them over time to um, make bodies of work, but also have someone in between me and and the world a little bit, and someone who was really passionate and keen to help me. Um, keep making work and to level it up a little bit it's just something that oh it just feels like an amazing privilege to have this kind of longer term approach and it just changed the way I could make work I guess gave me a bit uh, of a stronger vision to take my time with things and not to try and do too many things or to try and make every show like some kind of I don't know stab in the dark at some kind of big uh, resolved kind of thought about art to know that you've got way more coming is just really um it lets you relax into the work someone else has kind of got your back and the other part of that is being alongside a team of other artists that I really look up to and respect and that's just been yeah just a really different thing that has led me down a path it wasn't something that I really knew existed or was aiming for but to get dragged into that world and be educated that way and looked after and yeah, mentor it is. Yeah, it's a really humbling part. So 10, ten shows, they would lock you Well, no, that's not really the contract, but I guess that's the way I kind of think of it. Like, yeah. I've already been with them for six, six years or something, maybe a bit yeah. longer. But, um, yeah, I've already done, like, six major shows or something. Yeah, but it's just like the... Um the, uh, you know, the acknowledgement and the uh, and people believing in you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of really humbling. Yeah. And not... Not every artist can do that or not every gallery can really even offer that, but I just feel really lucky that the people that came knocking on my door have, have turned out to be really, really good for me that become yeah, a strong kind of family um, for me. And, yeah, it's kind of taught me a lot of things that I didn't really know. Mm. Yeah, it's good to kind of team up with people in that arrangement where it's kind of a 50-50 thing. They're working, I'm doing my part and they're doing theirs and together it works really well. Do you have like moments of uncertainty, like on the roller coaster ride, <laughs> and, and then think like, "Shit, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up a bit of um, bit of IT work on the side," or? Uh, or well, I don't really like think that. about IT work, but uncertainty, of course. Like, yeah. That's a human thing, I think. Yeah. No well, one really think, knows what the can, right thing to do is. Right? You can pin that to any part of life, really. But like, I mean, like things where you think, "Well, I'm gonna have to get get some other hustle going on here because, um, like, I don't know if the art can keep me afloat or." Well, I guess I'd have to say I've been really lucky to have had lots of opportunities and been able to choose some of those. And actually, when I've had to, I've said no to a lot of things as well. And, I don't know, I live pretty cheap. Like, I, I just like getting up and drawing every day. Um, don't have big fancy tastes or anything. So I try to make that work for me. And one thing I'm really protective of is making sure that I will get to continue to make work mm. so that it gets better and then, I don't know. Yeah. So I try to make sure that I'm not going to run out of money and I don't. I'm pretty motivated to not go back to an office. Yeah. But it's never far from your mind. Of, you know, for anybody, though, even if you have a normal kind of 
contract job or whatever, that can still change at any moment anyway. But you do have to get come to peace with that kind of uncertainty. Even though I know some things that are coming up in the next year or next two years, there is also a lot of space for th- those things changing or for nothing to fill those gaps. And I, there would come a day. But yeah. for all of us, that you would have to um, yeah. get a bit more desperate about. It's, it's I guess it's good um, practice for, you know, um, remaining calm and, and knowing that everything's going to be all right as long as you just keep working. Yeah, yeah. Well, it does, definitely doesn't help me make more artwork to worry about that stuff. So I try no. to be good at the things that will keep me making more artwork and I push them to the side and then just get back into the artwork. Yeah. For me, like I just like the making part. Mm. And so you have to make a lot to then... There's more out there in the world and mm. also the more of the stuff... You know, sometimes I get asked to do commissions or maybe get asked to do commercial work that I'm not as passionate about or maybe is something that is referring to something older that I've done. But I want to make... I, pr- I try to put out the work, even especially through exhibitions or you know anything, putting it out, publishing online or something, of the work that I want to make, like self-driven kind of projects. I, you know, I've learnt that from other people. That's the advice that has been given yeah. to me and mentored to me is like, you know to follow those kind of passions. Um, and I like the progress. I like this journey of seeing oh, this work has changed over time and it's heading in a direction. It's not dra- dramatic, drastic changes. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen that um, that movie Bridge of Spies, the Tom Hanks movie? Uh, I know the title. I don't yeah, know I, I watched it on an airplane not long ago. But um, there's this guy, and he's like he's a spy, and he's being busted in the states so during the Cold War, and yeah. um, yeah, and he's going through all this shit, and um, yeah, like normally any person would be like freaking out, and he was just like calm through the whole thing, and Tom Hanks kept going like, man, like aren't you worried? Aren't you? You know, aren't you freaking out? And he, he just kept saying throughout the whole movie, he's like, would that help? And it's just <laughs> like, I don't know, I've sort of taken that on in my um, day-to-day life because, you know, I work I work doing short contracts and sometimes I have no work and other times I've got too much work and, you know, it, it goes in ebbs and flows. And um, But if I go have a run where there's not much work going on, I, I've just taught myself not to worry about it because worrying is not going to change anything. And, yeah, um, yeah. and I guess I'm, you know, I think being a, a full-time artist, would you'd have to train yourself to think in the same way. Yeah, and I guess that's something that's definitely changed for me. Like, starting out and after a while, and I've kind of passed this peak of lots of things coming my way, but lots of them are really small, and you take them all on because you do want to, I don't know, try lots of different things, but take on the good opportunities but in the last maybe three maybe yeah about three or maybe four years I've turned down a lot more of that work and I've taken on projects that actually take a lot more time Mm. so some of the things that I've been working on won't really come out for another two years or it's like oh I do a month here on it then two months next year oh okay and then the last six months of that year like it is kind of I do have those kind of plans but some of them are kind of flexible without being too structured, like I don't have a big, you know, project plan on my wall and flow charts and all those strategic kind of ideas, but there is a plans for the future and you have your dream list of projects that, oh man, that thing fell through for that month, bonus month, I'm going to work on this set of ideas and oh, now I've got a chance to try out this stuff. Mm. Um, so I feel like fairly in control and calm about that stuff, but again, that's just kind of keeping that calm and keeping it to the side so that I can feel relaxed 
when it's time to do artwork. Yeah. Which is the majority of the time. Yeah. So, um, like, you know, do you, do you have many mentors when you were coming up? You mentioned that you had some earlier on. Um, like, yeah, I guess for me, some of that has been informal and some of those people have been around for a long time, mm. like, you know, uh, like friends with me for a long time. Mm. But other people I've just met once or twice. Or sometimes it's just one person that said one thing through an email. But that was something that I found was really strong in the street art community, but even more so in the Melbourne art and creative community, is quite diverse. And the sharing and welcoming that is part of Melbourne is kind of is quite endearing. And it has been passed on to me from people that I looked up to and respected, people established people, have, have made me do that to younger people as well. Because mm. it's a constant thing, right? Yeah. I'm I'm in my mid thirties. A lot of the people that are inspiring to me are in their young twenties and it's just amazing. But everybody sometimes needs like a little leg up and the opportunities that were given to me really made a huge difference. I mean I don't really like to drop names and things like that, but people like Reco, he's a good friend of ours, right? Mm. The first time he wrote me an email before we'd ever met, just kinda of a little bit of advice but also like some oh man, I really like this thing. Like, that meant so much to me as a really young person. Yeah. I, you know, and people, young people do write to me about certain things and I'm happy to answer questions or give a tip off about, you know, where to buy this paint or whatever the question is. Yeah. It's so important because, you know, I nerd out or fan out over certain artists or creatives or mm. different types of people, but sometimes it's a weird realisation because of the way people act. Oh, I'm that person to someone else. Yeah. Oh, I'm not that person. I'm just. A, I just like to do the drawings and stuff like that. Yeah. If there's something I can say or pass on, or just by putting my work out there, try to be fairly honest and open about mm. uh, who I am or what I do. I hope that that makes other people draw. Yeah. Because there's no real big secret to it. No. I don't think it's just just it's, drawing and being passionate about it. Well, I just think it's um, part of the. Uh, it's built into human. DNA, you know, it's like singing, dancing, drawing, like art. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, there's all these um, yeah. things that make up who we are, and you, you're born, you're born with it within you. And um, you know, like I was even having a chat to my mum about the other day, and she was start talking to me about art, and uh, and she said, "Oh, well, I could never do art because I can't draw. I I can't draw people." And it's like. You don't have to you know, be able to draw something, like you know, draw a portrait of someone in front of you to be a good artist. Like you know, if you look at um, like you know, there's a lot of the process artists out there, like you know, like Warhol with his screen prints, and I don't know, like so, there's so many people. Like yeah, this is a conditioning know. thing that a lot of it comes out of schooling, like what's yeah. acceptable and what's not, and uh, that's good and that's not. I mm. mean, that's a really Mm. controlling thing it's really sad I mean sometimes I teach people like that like adults mm. and they tell me their sad story of how that part of their life was ruined or they had to make this choice away from it and part of that is just it's a pretty normal human thing of like oh I'm not as good as someone else or something like that yeah. but maybe I feel like there's a part of my brain that is missing that I don't really give a fuck about those things they don't mm. influence me what other people think and when I look at my drawings sometimes and I come out of that kind of wormhole of being in your own world, work, working on it, ah, oh, some people are going to look at this work and think that I'm a really, uh, I don't know, like a child. Yeah. Like to spend, you know, 60, 80 hours doing a drawing. Like that's crazy talk. 
like and look at it you know i'm not a realist i'm not this kind of artist where people go oh yeah genius genius artist mm. but um that doesn't matter to me this is stuff that i'm doing for myself that's but i get for other people they sit down in front of a blank page and they just want to do a good piece of work it's not yeah. about you know it does take a long time to get to that very comfortable stage but when you've been doing it your whole life you don't know any different like yeah i don't do it f- Right, I don't know. The re- it's yeah. for yourself, I guess. Yeah, it is. It's really weird because, like, even with my stuff, I've been, um, I don't know, I've I'm worked out that my style is not to do anything too perfect because if I've I've always been messy my whole life. You know, I'm left-handed and uh, my writing's... I never got my pen license at school, you know. <laughs> still waiting like, on it. Yeah, it still looks like chicken scratch and all that type of stuff. So, so I, I know that, like, to play my strengths is just to be loose with with my lines and not not to be perfect with anything. And if there's a drip or a or a, you know the lines a bit crooked or whatever, that's fine, you know, because that's how it is. And um, whereas to other people who I guess really aren't into art so much and they want to see a, a you know a photorealistic painting, and for them that's a, the sign of a a good artist. Yeah, well, I guess that um, was some of the advice that was given to me earlier on as well. Kind of, I guess more when I was starting out that instead of going to art school and learning how to make art, you should go and maybe study something else or look outside of what to make art about. Mm. I like that as an idea. Maybe it's not a perfect kind of little saying or something, but even some other people that I've always looked up to and when we've got into these deeper conversations, mm. they've shown me how they turned away from only looking in, in the creative world for inspiration mm. and where they've been able to find really abstract influences and bring that into their style mm. where it's so lost through the translation that it brings newness and there's some of the qualities that I kind of like. I like tracing that back or having that shown to me through someone else's work and yeah. then you realise where you do it in your own work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because some people do do that. People, we can all get that way, be really narrow in our view mm. or our influences or mm. the things we consume, the media and, and music or all kinds of things like that. I think if, um, you know, everyone's different and everyone lives a different life and I think if you, you pull from all, you know, ex, you know, areas of your life and what you're exposed to and also what you're interested in and what you notice... And pull that into your, your artwork. That's what you're. Um, that's what's going to make you unique. You know, yeah, yeah. instead of looking at what someone else is doing and 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 really liking their stuff. And it's like, yeah, you can be influenced, but you know, if you are, as they say, the the person that's influenced by um, one artist looks like a copycat, but the person that's influenced by a thousand artists looks looks original. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, but you've. Uh, so you've, you've had a studio for nine years now, and you, was it nine years you had that studio? Yeah. And, and you've just uh, packed up and um, now working from home. Like, how, how's that on your life? Um, yeah, it's been a really good, good change. Yeah. Just, um, I've been really lucky to have a, a nice big studio to myself for a, for a long time. Mm. And I guess I've turned more away from messy kind of painting and having that space. Mm to doing more drawing so I just sit at a desk and when I moved house last year my view and the natural light made my studio look dark and old and just full of accumulated kind of clutter yeah painting supplies and stuff like that and I realised I just wanted a bit of a change and 
Mm. Um, I went to my studio every day yeah. um, for nine years that I was, you know, always in the in the country. So um, it was silly to be paying for a space that I wasn't going to because I was enjoying enjoying my new space and the new working environment. And I don't know, it's one of the, maybe a famous big white male artist said something about like you should throw out your whole studio at least twice in your life. You know, these are career painters talking about. You know, that's a good way to do it. So I did. Yeah. I threw out everything that I, pretty much everything I'd ever made, mm. all my you know ten years plus of sketchbooks and all that kind of stuff. Serious. You yeah. threw them away, or oh, you didn't I shredded you... them and then threw them away. Oh, serious! Well, I just, you know, yeah. you just have all that stuff and you just accumulate it, and um, yeah. it's a really good feeling to get rid of all that stuff. But I've already processed all that stuff. Yeah, I'm looking to the future. I don't really care about. I don't really own any of my old work. I mean, maybe my family have a few pieces yeah. that I've given them, and maybe you know, I've got a, bo- a small box of archived things, mm. small drawings and things like that. But really, that that's great that other people might be interested in, but. I don't need that stuff around, and it was just a nice feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, I've used my sketchbooks a lot, and so the, all that stuff has been processed, and I didn't mm. get really get a lot out of looking at things okay. from 10 years ago. It was just kind of, oh, man, I'm glad to have moved on. They've been really yeah. helpful to move, help you move forward, but I don't need to mm. own them. I like that they just don't exist anymore. Yeah. Well, you weren't tempted just to give them to someone else? or No, that's even worse. Is it? Yeah. It's like, hold on to this. Yeah, they have yeah. the embarrassing, um, oh, you know, yeah, like I my so. secrets, my ingredients, my thoughts from those mm. things. They've already been used up. And yeah, then they're just so. not that, like for other people, man, if I knew someone else I really looked up to was throwing out their sketchbooks, I would love them. I really like sketchbooks. I like mm. when other people share their sketchbooks. Mm. But that's the thing, like uh, the artist Grayson Perry kind of made it really clear for me by kind of signifying the artist can call anything art, like they, anything can be art, and you know, you can say this is art, this is even a found object or whatever, all that mm. kind of thinking. But he can also, well, they, the artist can also say, this is not art. So mm. I decided that stuff's not art anymore, it doesn't exist, that's my stuff, I made it. Mm. I'm just, I'm going to turn it off again. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I don't know, it's weird because for me, the my sketchbooks are so important to me, but they're not at the same time. I know what you mean, because I've, Oh, well, at some point, they were really important to me. Yeah. Like, they're the thing that I don't pack in the um, the bottom of the plane. I carry mm. them in my hands. Mm. Um, and I treasured them. They look really good on a shelf, right? I know you've got a big stack of sketchbooks. Mm. But you do use them. They were a functional thing for me. It wasn't just journal keeping. I was putting in the ideas, and when it came time to dump them all out on paper, I dumped them all out and organised them into lists. So I'd put, oh, these things are going to turn into something else. These are elements that are going to come into a paint. Mm. Here's all the thumbnails of my sketchbook I've made all these paintings mm. ah that's that body of work cut it out put it in a folder I've been using them to organise my thoughts and and to do mm. prelim- preliminary sketches and all that kind of stuff but I've changed the way that I use my sketchbook now so it's time to get rid of all that stuff I've already processed it all yeah. I'm not going to go back six years to look at something that that time has ended those ideas mm. they haven't made it made it through yeah that's no, really interesting it's really interesting because I've like in saying that like you know I say oh I treasure my sketchbooks and everything but like I, I left them all at my parents house and I was overseas for five years and I got back and I've got got these five boxes that haven't even been opened that all say sketchbooks on them yeah but and there is like, something you know you're kind of investing in that that maybe in yeah. five years ten years maybe twenty years you want to open mm. them up I just feel like the times that I've I don't really own much from my past mm. where I live, try to be reasonably minimal mm. I've never really had that moment where I thought, man, I wish I had that thing. 
Mm. But then again, my, my family haven't done that. I don't have any of my artwork yeah. since before I was like in my 20s, I guess. Like, mm. It's not like, that's that's just not that important to me. Yeah. It's easier that it doesn't exist because then I yeah. don't have to uh, look after it and there's only the positive memory. That's probably enough for me. Yeah. Like, do you have uh, many friends drawing in your books and stuff like that? or? Yeah, so they're the things that I cut out when I, I did go oh, through okay. them all. Yeah, yeah, Because, yeah. Um, like you said in your last podcast, I, yeah, I've, tra- I've travelled a lot and I've had, had some amazing people draw in my books. Mm. I, and they're really personal things because you know where you were when that mm. person, where you sat and had a beer with someone who drew a page. And I've done them for other people. I really like that kind of thing. So they're, they're part of the pages that I kept. Yeah. I went through and ripped out a bunch of pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got this one book in particular, and to me, it's just gold. Like, I love it. It's And it was, um, I started it in 2002 or one or something like that, and I was in London, and I, I took it to America with me. Mm-hmm. And um, and just, it's funny, because in, in that book, like, it was all early stuff from people, and they all went on and became people if you know what I mean absolutely like I've well, got, well, sometimes you flip through someone's book and you yeah. go wow I, I don't know if I can put a page in here like because yeah. these people are in yeah. here already like but it, they're amazing because they're really unique and sometimes they're just a bit, a bit more personal a bit more loose or something yeah like I was, those versions. I was flicking through it the other day because of being in storage like I, I pulled it out the other day and there's stuff from like D-Face and guys like that in there and there's stuff from Banksy in there yeah and, um, and Barry McGee did a full page with a paintbrush in there really old one and then um yeah blade from hmm. new york did like Amazing. three pages in there scene had done a couple of pages in there and then and then and yeah like all these other artists from america as well and i know i look i look through it now and i'm embarrassed to have my stuff in there amongst <laughs> it all it's like they would have flicked past all that going oh yeah whatever you know it's like yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I like that. That's yeah. part of that culture that is really strong yeah. and beautiful. Yeah, is the sharing part of that, and that's just, you know, maybe to other people they look like weird fan kind of signature books or something. Yeah, but they're not like that at all. There's something really special. The generosity of time that people put into those things, mm. especially really early on, people were mailing around to each other to um, to collect. Mm. Yeah. Different yeah. Pieces. Yeah, no, it's but really it's not like you just sign it or yeah. do a tag, right? Most people do something as elaborate as they can with the materials oh, yeah. that are around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everyone, amazing. you know, it was one of those um, funny books where everyone really, you know, did full pages and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a good book. But that's like, the, you know, if I could, I'll get rid of all of my bike books, but that one I wouldn't. And all my little books that I draw in now, I'd never, I wouldn't get rid of them. It's a different vibe. But um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, but moving on, um, you've got like a, a crazy website. I was looking at that before, and um, you know, is that is that is that new? Have you just put that up recently? Uh, maybe in the last few months, maybe. Yeah, yeah, about that. Did, did it take you a long time to get it all all together? Yeah, just coming together with the idea and working with some guys and trying a few new things. I wanted to do something totally different, so that did take a long time. And then it's just full of GIFs, right? But So I hand, had to hand draw all the GIFs and then all the menu things and the loading thing and the mouse cursor and all these other little drawings. And there's a lot of stuff that I drew or made or tested mm. that didn't really work out. But, yeah, I just got to a point where, I don't know... What, 
where websites fit in the world anymore. Like for people like me, where maybe most people view your stuff through social media, there still needs to be some kind of portal. But I think that some people make theirs really formal and that's cool. They want to be really accessible. They want to be really clear about what they do. I don't really know what I want to say or how I want to appear. Um, so I didn't really want a portfolio kind of style website. Mm. I just wanted to be more a weird project and something that I would keep working on. And the way that it's made is fairly dynamic that I can move and shift things around really easily. And there's a lot of hidden stuff in there. So it's more just for exploring. Not so much like a functional website. I like that someone would get yeah. a little bit irritated. doesn't really work on phones. You know, but this it's still fairly con- easy to contact me. Yeah. And that's the main function. Yeah, yeah. I would say, and that's what I want. I want to be contacted. I get contacted by people and I'm glad that they contacted me. Because mm. I looked at, cause I looked on the on the phone and on, on the laptop and on the phone, I would, I, you know, straight away I was just like, I could get to your Instagram and Twitter and, um, or Facebook or whatever and, uh, like your social media and also your shop and contact. But then you look on, uh, on a laptop that's like, shit where do I start you know but it's almost like a game to try and navigate your, your way around and yeah I like that some people will end up finding some of the really hidden things mm-hmm. um I always really liked um Stanley Domwood uh, in the early 2000s or maybe late 90s mm-hmm. he made a lot of websites he was doing all the artwork for Radiohead he had a lot of weird art project kind of websites that were just going down these weird tunnels of mostly text-based linking but I really like that that it's not a functional, normal, well-laid-out website. Like, website usability and all that kind of stuff, the interfaces, everybody's trying to do a good job. I want to do a a bad job, an annoying job, but for a totally different reason, I guess. Mm. I want to treat it like... I guess I put off doing a website redesign because it's so boring and formal, Mm. and I didn't really want to do that kind of work. So I want to make it into a project that I was interested in and wanted to make something that would a reason for making all those gifts and to make it interesting to go to yeah. instead of just a really well laid out portfolio yeah. thing. Well, it's it's fun, unique, and it's got personality. I like it. Yeah. So that's um, is that davidbooth.com or is it hyphen booth? It's david-booth.com. But there's also, yeah, my old Ghost Patrol website still mirrors it all. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, there's plenty of ways to get to it, I guess. Yeah. Where, so where, where else can people find you online? Uh, I don't know. I just Google it. It all shows up. Yeah. That's what I like about that that name or any of that stuff. It's really weird the way that I kind of can see people accessing my work or mm. yeah, where they say they found it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just type in Ghost Patrol, everything comes up. Images. Yeah, yeah it everything. seems to work. Yeah. All right. So have you got any um, future plans or projects on the go? Um, yeah, I've got a few longer term things that I'm working on and for this year I'll have a a major exhibition in Melbourne in September I haven't shown in Melbourne for four years so Mm. kind of looking forward to putting out a new body of work and then I've got some work that's opening at the museum I've been helping work on some reconstruction there and there's a bigger project at the children's hospital that I'm working on so that's kind of this year's pretty full Cool. With those kind of projects, the stuff that's been coming for a while, that will mm. all come out towards the end of the year. Nice. Have you have you uh, got any travel on the go as well? Or? Yeah, this this week I'm going to Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to spend some more time working on something in Iceland, and then yeah, just a bit more summertime in Berlin. Yeah. 
um, yeah, just to kind of catch up with, with artist friends, really. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, people that I've known for a long time, some of it just ends up being um, like artist therapy conversations. People in the mm. same boat as you kind of yeah. have the same um, ups and downs and and understanding, I guess. So yeah. I feel really lucky that, yeah, sure, those people are scattered around the world, but that's a really important connection to keep up with as well. Yeah. Is there much uh, chill-out time on the, those that trip or...? Um, I don't really yearn for too much chill out time. My life is fairly relaxed in some ways. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I find the travel stuff is time where I don't really feel like working because I can't go to my studio. Mm. So it's time to kind of be inspired and soak up a lot of stuff. So I probably look at a lot more art when I'm traveling Mm. and catch up on a lot more reading. Yeah. Things that I don't do so much when I'm at home in Melbourne. I just like to be working in my studio. Yeah. And I probably don't. I'm not as social or um, see as much art, maybe, as when I'm travelling. So I do look forward to those times. And by being away and out of the country for a long time gives a bit more perspective. But I'm really energised to come back and get stuck into more projects, really. It's a good feeling. Yeah, I really like um, travelling and taking yourself out of your day-to-day norm. I think that's the most ins- like inspiring time to really generate ideas. Yeah, and, and I like when the on and off again of it as well, yeah. like... It's hard to keep it steady all the time, but I like saving and building up to that mm. and um, setting yourself deadlines or those kind of things. But, mm. yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we might um, leave it there. Cool. So, uh, th- you know, thanks for sitting down and having a chat with me. It's been Easy. really good. Cool. Okay. <laughs> Check out the Bench Talk website, benchtalkpodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes and keep up to date with what's up and coming on the the podcast. You can also listen on SoundCloud. Just search for Bench Talk. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, bench underscore talk. Thanks, and I look forward to you tuning in again next week. See ya.